This podcast is not here for those people that are trying to stay out of last place. Because those consequences don't exist for the people that are listening to this podcast. These are the people that always end up in the playoffs but can't seem to get over that hump. Or the ones who just want to dominate year after year just to show everybody else they're the champions. Guys, this is a fantasy football intervention. And we're about to intervene with your fantasy football life. You know, it's kind of funny. It really is. It's kind of funny when people try to argue with you or try to prove a point, but they want to alter the story or alter the way an argument's going to go based off of narrative. You know, I can make any guy sound incredibly great, and I can make the same exact guy sound absolutely terrible. It's just all about the narrative and the way that you put it all together. So if you decide to come at me and try and prove a point that I made wrong using a one-sided narrative, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. I spend too much time and do too much research to allow something that minuscule, some skewed opinion, prove me wrong. Before I come out here and I say, hey, I like this player or hey, I don't like this player, I'm doing it. Because I have a reason behind it. I have a stat. I've done the research. I spend hours and hours and hours sitting in front of my computer, putting together articles, compiling the research, putting this fantasy puzzle together. And I'm not doing it just for my own health. I'm doing it to help out you guys. I am. So when somebody comes at me with half-ass research done, a one-sided argument, one-sided correlative argument, and tries to make me look bad, I'm gonna put you down. And I'm gonna put you down hard. Mr. Madison, what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Okay, a simple wrong would have done just fine, but uh, you remain one. Just saying, guys. Just saying. (sighs) Come at me with actual facts, and we can have a conversation. Now, if you want to ask me a question as to why I think a certain way, please do. Make sure you read my article or, you know, check my information first, but please do ask me a question. But don't try and make me look dumb because I'm going to turn it right back around on your ass. Sorry to say. Well, no, I'm not really sorry to say. Just stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Everything will be fine. So today, guys, I did get the sound effects installed. Oh, yeah, get excited. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm excited. I'm excited to be using the new sound effects that we have. And we have the AFC North to be covered today. Oh yeah, the AFC North. And this is potentially the best division in football with all four teams potentially being contenders. I mean, yeah, I'm even saying that about the Bengals, which is crazy. But my biggest concern with these teams is actually the other teams in their division. I mean, these defenses, they're nothing to joke about. We take a look at the Browns, they shirt up their defense, right? They shirt up their secondary. They added Carl Joseph and Sedejo, all while drafting Grant Delpit. They they added their defensive line by adding Billings, Claymore, and then drafting Elliott. And they replaced their middle linebackers that they lost with Goodson and then third rounder Jacob Phillips. Overall, it was a really, really great offseason for the Browns. And taking a look at it, they might actually be my, my most improved team overall, especially with adding Stefanski and Bill Callahan to that offensive line. I love, I love what the Browns are doing there. And their defense is nothing to joke about. I'm calling home, calling home when I have to face the Browns defense. And I'm probably going to audible to a different player if I have someone going up against them in fantasy. We have the Ravens, who already had a dominant defense. They go out there and draft five defensive players 
Three of them being in the first three rounds. That's incredible. The Ravens are going to be scary. Absolutely scary. Then we have the Steelers, who saw crazy success last year. And the only reason why they did as well as they did is because of their defense. That quarterback situation was an absolute joke. Obviously, James Connors couldn't stay healthy. Juju Smith-Schuster couldn't stay healthy. Why in the hell did the Steelers still do as well as they did? It's incredible. It's incredible how good that defense is, and it's still pretty young overall. I'm expecting the Steelers' defense to be a stiff, stiff opponent each and every week. And then, of course, we have the Bengals. And the Bengals are probably the biggest question mark out there. But they added multiple defensive starters, mainly from the Vikings. But if they are even remotely better than last year, even remotely, you're going to have some question marks of who to start six games out of the year for each one of these teams in the division. I mean, do you really want to start Marquise Brown when you got Denzel Ward draped all over him? It's going to be question mark after question mark for six games. The good news, however, is that they face the NFC East and the AFC South, both which obviously love to give up tons and tons of fantasy points to the position. Well, to each, I guess, fantasy position. So we do have some big time games, but just keep in mind with these fantasy options that we're going to talk about for each one of these teams, that it could be, it could be a little bit tougher to get production out of them six games a year, minimum, minimum. We're going to kick it off with the Browns, all right? And as we talked about, we are going to have the Vegas bomb. Oh, yeah, the Vegas bomb, which is the highest riser, right? Who do I need to move up my draft boards? And in Dynasty, it's got to be Kareem Hunt, right? He's a potential free agent in 2021. He could turn into a bell cow for multiple different offenses. I love Kareem Hunt. He's going to be the cheapest elite back out there in terms of elite backs that are looking to sign for other teams, and he doesn't have the wear and tear that a lot of these other backs do. So if he goes into free agency with, let's just say, Leonard Fournette, Kenyon Drake, um, Aaron Jones, right? He's going to be the cheapest option out of all those guys in most cases, but he's still in that tier. He's still in the tier. Don't forget, guys, he is only the backup because of that Fucked up shit that he did when he kicked the girl in the hotel like lobby or hotel hallway or whatever it was. Right? It was messed up, but he never got hurt. He was a bell cow back for, yes, the Kansas City Chiefs, but he could still perform as a bell cow back in multiple different places. I'm just hoping that he doesn't take a pay cut to stay in Stefanski's system with the Browns, obviously. Yeah. He has enormous upside for where he's being valued currently. It's crazy. It's absolutely nuts. Absolutely nuts. Even if he doesn't become a free agent and he re-ups, he, he's doing it because he's getting production with the Browns. And with him going as like a 7th, 8th, ninth round pick in Dynasty drafts, dude, there's so much value. So much value to be had. Oh my God, so hot. Oh, hot. Want to touch the hiney. In the eight games that he played last year after his suspension, he saw over eight touches in six of those games. In every one of those six games, he produced double-digit fantasy points. Don't forget about Stefanski's offense in Minnesota, right? He's bringing it over an offense to Cleveland that saw the fifth most rushing attempts in the NFL last year. Yeah. Now, I will admit, he did target the running back less. However, the Browns last year, <laughs> they, uh, they saw the ball while losing the game. They had possession of the ball while losing the game. Almost as much as the Vikings did while winning the game. Yeah, there is going to be volume. And that's going to come with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt both. I expect the running back position to get targeted right around 120 times this upcoming year. And like I said, the volume is going to be there running the ball. They're both going to be fantasy relevant. Get Kareem Hunt while you can. Up next, I get the four horsemen shot. Who's going to knock you off your horse? Who is moving down my ranks? And you guys should already see this. You should. You should already know what's coming. Because it's not like I hate the guy. It's just a really, really tough division like we talked about. And he still has produced, so it's not like, you know, I, I 
don't I don't have him at like 20th or anything like that. But Baker Mayfield, who was going as the 10th overall quarterback in Dynasty, that's brutal. That's brutal. We're talking about Stefanski's system here. Passing attempts, especially in the red zone, dissipate. I like Baker. I do like Baker. But no matter what direction this team is going in, in terms of win-loss record or anything like that, I have multiple, multiple other guys ahead of them. If I'm building towards the future, I want Tua. I want Daniel Jones. Right? They're both going to be in weaker divisions. I like it. Fun fact, by the way, Daniel Jones has never played a full game with Barkley, Tate, Shepard, Slayton, and Ingram all on the field together. It's crazy, right? That's crazy. Imagine if he has his offense at full power. Daniel Jones could be a spark. But we're not talking about the NFC East. We're talking about the AFC North. So back to, you know, if you're trying to win now, I have guys like Stafford and, and Matt Ryan who are going behind him actually ahead of him. So regardless of whatever direction your fantasy team is going in, whether it's going through a rebuild, right? Or maybe you're trying to win now or you're in redraft. I just have other guys I'd rather have ahead of them. I, I do. There are others as well, but, but think about it. Baker's in the best division in football in terms of defenses. Two of the top five defenses up against the quarterback are in this division. And we already talked about the Bengals. We already talked about the Bengals improving potentially. That is six games a season if the Bengals do end up panning out. That's six games. Six games that you're not going to be able to start your quarterback one. You draft him as a 10th quarterback off the board. I don't want my QB one to not play six games in a season. If that's the case, if, if I'm sitting there doing that, if my quarterback one is right there, then I better be in a full-on rebuild. Now, if you have two cheaper options and you're, you're kind of streaming your quarterbacks to an extent in Dynasty, that's a whole different animal. But in redraft, you shouldn't have a guy that you took as a top, what, 12-round, 10-round, 8-round pick? You shouldn't have that guy not able to, to be started in six games in a season minimum. Minimum. On top of that, we already covered that Cousins only attempted 51 red zone passes last year in Stefanski's offense. Baker attempted 74 in 2019. I just, I can't figure it out. I cannot figure it out. It makes zero sense to me. Why is he going as the 10th quarterback? Sure, he can have some big games. But to rely on him as your QB1 is asinine. Asinine. He saw 10 top 16 defenses last year. In those games, he only had multiple touchdowns in three of them. He only eclipsed 250 yards in three of them. Ten games against top 16, not even top 10, not even top five. We're talking about top, 10 top 16 defenses. Ten games. And he only had multiple touchdowns and over 250 yards in three of them. Three. The good thing, the good thing, is that he only sees six top 16 defenses from last season. And one of them is in week 17 versus the Steelers. So my fingers are crossed. My fingers are crossed that these other teams that were not in the top 16, these other teams did not improve this past year. I'm just fingers crossed that they did not improve. Either way, he's going to be in a tough division for the next five years minimum. He still hasn't proven that he can consistently produce. And there's a chance that he has a really bad year. If that happens and the Browns suck, which I don't think is going to happen, but if it does, Stefanski can go get his guy and trade off Baker Mayfield for a decent price. Maybe he does end up in a better situation, but it's not likely. This offense isn't going to pass. Just to recap, let me recap real quick because that was a lot of information I spit out. Just to recap, this offense does not pass. He's in a very, very tough division, and he doesn't produce very well unless he's facing bad teams. Bad teams. What I'm doing, oh baby, what I'm doing is I'm going to see what I can get for him in a trade because the hype is unreal on this kid. I mean, it's going back to like, you know, pre-2019 hype, like following the 2018 season. 
I'm gonna see what I can get for him in a trade. I bet you that you can get two a plus some. Like two and possibly a first round pick. I mean, that's a stretch, but I, there are some people that are so high on Baker Mayfield, you can get a quarterback plus some that is in a better situation. Go do it. Go do it. Go do it. And then take a shot of Rumplemints, because that's what we got next, baby. That's my best value. What is going to get you fucked up for the cheapest amount? Rumple time. Rumple teenies. If you haven't had a Rumple teeny, you need to have one. You need to have a, a Rumple teeny. I'm telling you, you need to have a Rumple teeny. It's so good when it hits the lips. It's so good. Oh, God, it's so good. There's one receiver being criminally undervalued. And even in this offense, I still think that he needs to be higher than what he actually is. And that's Odell Beckham. I mean, he's getting the Todd Curley treatment right now. And he really, he doesn't deserve it, man. Leave him alone. He doesn't deserve it. He's coming off of surgery right now. And he sucked last year because he played hurt in a terribly coached team. I should say with a terribly coached team, but you guys got the gist. You got the gist. He still gave you double-digit points in most weeks last year while finishing up as the wide receiver 25. Guys, he's falling into the fourth round, people. The fourth round. That's crazy to me. I want him over Amari Cooper. I want him over Mike Evans. I want him over Adam Thielen. I want Odell Beckham. The best part about this whole entire thing is I think that the Browns will move on from him in 2021 because of his massive cap hit. That's a good thing. I can't think of another place that could be worse. That could be worse for Odell Beckham. I love, I love him in almost any other situation. Hell, I don't care. Give me him in Buffalo. I don't care. I think that although he still has upside with the Browns, he could be in multiple, 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 multiple other great situations. Maybe not the Bears. The Bears, probably not, because you also have Allen Robinson there. Yeah, the Bears would probably be the one team that I would say, no, I don't want him there. But with the schedule this year, with the schedule, Beckham should have some massive, massive games, and then you know which ones not to play him in. If you can get him, if you can get him in the, in the fourth, fifth rounds where he's going right now, you got to grab him up. He's going to be a top 10 wide receiver this year, and that's a lock. I'm putting my stamp on it, baby. I'm putting my stamp on it. Look, both Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs were able to produce in Stefanski's system because those were the only two receivers that they really used. The tight ends were scarcely used, and those tight ends were pretty good. Irv Smith Jr., although he was a rookie, was pretty good. Right? Kyle Rudolph is a pretty good tight end. I don't think he's that much further behind, to an extent, Austin Hooper. I really don't, when it comes to talent. Sure, I do think that Austin Hooper is better, don't get me wrong, but we're not going to see some, some target hogs come out of the tight end position. They still keep those guys in the block a, a very large percentage of the time compared to a lot of other teams that use two tight end sets. I'm telling you guys, Odell Beckham is better than Stefan Diggs. He's better than Stefan Diggs. And the value there is insane. Listen, I, he is a slight, slight risk, but I think he's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. And I think the floor, the floor is high enough for you to take a shot on him in the fourth. I mean, what's the worst that can happen if he's healthy? Finish off his wide receiver 18? I mean, that's not terrible for the upside that he provides. It's not like you're going to get a complete, you know, bomb like you would get with Tyreek Hill. Like I said, last year he played hurt and he still finished out as the wide receiver 25. That's pretty impressive, guys. It's pretty impressive. All right. On to my white dragon. Rumplements mixed in with tequila. Of course. Duh. Duh. That's uh, it's going to be my dark horse. This is like the guy that's flying underneath the radar that nobody really sees. And I was going to mess around a little bit and say Njoku, right? Because one of two things could happen, right? A trade, and Joku could get traded, and he wouldn't even be on the Browns, right? That'd be awesome. God, send him to the Redskins. Or, I'm sorry, excuse me, Washington. God, that's crazy with the whole name change thing. Excuse me. But, no, send him over to Washington. 
right? What about the Patriots? God, we know Cam Newton loves his Greg Olson. Woof. Straight fire. I know they already have like four tight ends drafted over the past four years, but I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Him and OJ Howard and Joku and OJ Howard need to get traded. Green Bay Packers are another one that comes to mind. Buffalo is another one that comes to mind. I know they like Devin Knox there, but I mean, there are so many teams that need a tight end. I don't understand why other teams aren't making big plays for him. I know Washington was potentially looking at acquiring OJ Howard, and that would be a dream since I'm unfortunately a Washington fan, but you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see if Ron Rivera goes and gets his guy, but back to Njoku. Either one, a trade or Hooper getting hurt, could put him in a prime position to produce. But that's not who I'm going with. I'm going with DPJ. Donovan Peoples-Jones, congratulations. You're my white dragon, baby. We talk about Beckham. We talk about Landry. We talk about their contract situation, right? How they could move on from both these guys and save like $30 million with almost no dead cap. It's like $3 million in dead cap space and they save over $30 million. It's crazy. Insert Donald Peoples-Jones right into that area. Stefanski? Stefanski had watched his Vikings teams develop late-round receivers. Right? Adam Thielen, was, was he undrafted or was he seventh round? Stefan Diggs was like fifth round too. I mean, they've had guy after guy after guy while, while Stefanski's been there, continuously developed into, into starting receivers at the NFL level. I mean, they can't do anything about Laquan Treadwell, but they know how to find deep, deep receivers. Stefanski, if he can take what he learned with the Vikings and develop DPJ, Donovan Peoples-Jones, into a, into a monster. I mean, this guy has all the physical assets, all the physical gifts to, to be an extremely, extremely successful player in this offense. I love it. I absolutely love it. I'm waiting to see what happens here, happens here but if all the chips lined up, he's looking real, real sexy. This guy... I'm grabbing him up in all the late rounds. Make sure that you have DPJ on your roster one way or another. Now we have the Ravens. Yeah, baby, the Ravens. One of the most dynamic offenses in the entire league. The Ravens. You got to love it, right? God, you got to love this offense. The only question is, surrounding this offense, is Lamar Jackson actually going to run as much as he did last year? I believe he was, what, around 12 attempts or so per game? That's, that's pretty intense. 12 attempts per game is a lot for a quarterback to run. And if they want to keep this guy healthy, they want to ensure that this franchise is built for the long run, they're going to tell him to stop scrambling. Stop running your ass off, Lamar. We need you to stay healthy. We need you. We need you. I need you. No, I really don't. But... I traded away and everywhere because that's what I do when, uh, when a player hits his peak value. I trade him away. Yeah, I get tremendous, tremendous value for it. So I really don't need him anymore. But anyways, what could this offense look like if he does start to throw more often? I mean, they added depth at wide receiver with Duvernay and Prochet in the draft. They added J.K. Dobbins as the running back. I mean, outside of losing Yanda, I don't really see much of a difference whatsoever when it comes to the negative side of things. So how could this look different? If he starts to throw more, Hollywood Brown is looking like a sexy, sexy Vegas bomb. Delicious, energizing, get me hyped up. Right, right, right. That's Hollywood Brown, baby. That's Hollywood Brown. People aren't realizing how dynamic this guy can be. This offense, it's insane already. It's already insane. As long as Jackson is healthy, this offense is going to continue to hum along. And it only gets better. It only gets better if Hollywood Brown is actually out there. And it's so exciting. It's so exciting and people don't even realize it. Does everybody realize? Does everybody realize Hollywood Brown was playing hurt last year? He only played in 14 games. In those 14 games, he was only on the field for 59% of those snaps. That's crazy. It's crazy. And the reason why it's crazy... It's because he's thought of a deep ball receiver, right? Right? He gets all these downfield targets. Like, he's never going to be used in, in short yardage situations, right? Right? But he was ninth. Ninth in red zone receptions this past year. That was 13th in the NFL. I'm mind blown. I'm mind blown. Imagine if he plays all 16 games while healthy and has, like, a what? A 90% snap share? 
He could be a monster. Easily, easily eclipse, what, 1,000 yards, 12 touchdowns? Easily, easily. I'm grabbing Marquise Brown so much higher up than everyone else. I want to say that he's going to it in the 8th round, the ninth round in Dynasty right now. I'm taking him in the 7th at, at the latest. I love me. Love me, love me, love me. Some Hollywood Brown. Love me some Hollywood Brown. All right, on to the four horsemen. And this is tough just because of how dynamic this offense is. But hmm, let me look at it real quick. Should I already had this prepared. What, Nick Boyle? Nick Boyle, maybe? I mean, it's tough to pick a guy. I'm going to have to go with Prochet, which he's not really being drafted until like the fourth round of rookie drafts, maybe fifth round. But there's just so much depth on this roster. It's just tough for me to sit there and say that anybody's going to be a bust of their ADP because the only guy that has an insanely high ADP is going to be Mark Andrews and Lamar Jackson. With Hayden Hurst gone, Mark Andrews could potentially be playing or be on the field for more snaps, which I expect him fully to be. And Lamar Jackson is going to be targeting him. I, I, I can't knock anybody down, to be honest with you. I'm just going to go with Prochet, and I'm going to leave it at there. Sorry to make that section lame, but I just don't have anybody. All right. On to my uh, best value. Oh, it's Rumple time. It's Rumple time. I need to take a shot of Rumple Mints every time I tell you. Every time I say Rumple Mints. It's Rumple time. No, I can't do that. I get way too wasted, way too fast. All right. I'm not going to do that. Not going to do that. Anyways, but we're going we're gonna to go on to our best value. Best value on the Ravens has got to be hands down J.K. Dobbins. He's not being as highly touted as C.H. or Jonathan Taylor, but yet he's going to a dynamic offense in which he ran the same exact system and dominated with that system at Ohio State. The dude on top of this is a physical freak coming out of high school. He ran a 4.45 40-yard dash and registered a 43-inch vertical leap at Nike camp. What? This is coming out of high school. Yeah, imagine what he would have been able to do if he actually participated at the combine. Oh my God, it's crazy to me to think about his upside. He should be taken over the Gus Edwards role behind Mark Ingram, which produced over 700 yards two years in a row. If Gus Edwards can do that, imagine what J.K. Dobbins could do. He's a breather back, sure, but there's still, still production to be had. I love, I love J.K. Dobbins, and he's, I mean, he's just going way too far down in the drafts. Like, I love DeAndre Swift, I love Jonathan Taylor, I love J.K. Dobbins, I love all three of those guys. I'm not as high on Cam Akers, Keyshawn Vaughn, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I still like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, by the way. I think my, my opinion of him is swinging slightly too far to the negative side. I just don't want him as my 101 in the drafts. He's my fourth-ranked rookie running back, just to give everybody a, an idea of where I have him. So he's not like a second-round pick for me or anything like that. I just moved him from prior to the draft. I think I had him at like 9 or 10, all the way up to number 4. So he still made a great jump. Anyways, on to my white dragon. Hear me out. This kid definitely struggled last year. Right? He almost won me big-time money, actually, in DFS. But, yeah, I, I needed, like, one more big play out of him. I think it was, like, week four. They were playing, like, the Browns or something. The Ravens were playing the Browns. I needed, like, one more, like, 20-yard catch, and I would have won a lot of freaking money in DFS. I still won money, but anyways, uh, back to it. This kid is 6'4", 220 pounds with an insane, insane workout metrics. Absolutely insane, especially for a guy that size. He's got almost 10-inch hands and solid production during his senior year at Notre Dame. Can you guess who it is? I mean, what's up with these freaky athletes coming out of Notre Dame lately? Like, God, Chase Claypool, right, this year? Miles Boykin last year? Both dudes are, what, 6'4", like 220-plus? It's crazy to me. Anyways, focus, Chase. Stay focused. Gotta see who's next up in the pipeline. Stay focused. Okay, last year he only played uh, 12 games, and he was pretty much like the 10th option on this offense behind guys like Willie Sneed, uh, who was the other wide receiver I can't think of off the top of my head. But you had, you know, Willie Sneed, you had Marquise Brown, obviously, you had Hayden Hurst, you had, of course, Mark Andrews, Boyle, I believe, got more targets than him, Mark Ingram got more targets than him. 
So he was literally like the, I don't know, the seventh option, eighth option on this offense. And this upcoming year, Miles Boykin, it's his second year going into this offense, giving him time to develop. I, I think we could be talking about him in the same potential way as we talked about Sutton or we talked about Shark. If Lamar Jackson increases his pass attempts, he has to increase his pass attempts. When we look at who he's behind, he'll probably be behind Marquise Brown. That should be a given. He'll probably be behind Mark Andrews. That's definitely a lock. And then probably be behind Mark Ingram, but that's debatable. After that, it's going to be Miles Boykin as the third or fourth option, most likely fourth option on this team. And although that doesn't come with you know crazy, crazy upside on a normal offense, on the Ravens offense, who is constantly, constantly scoring touchdowns, I mean, <laughs> this guy could be an absolute, absolute monster this upcoming year. If Lamar Jackson can, can grow with the rapport with this guy, right? If he can put his trust into him, if, if, if Miles Boykin can earn, if Miles Boykin can earn Lamar Jackson's trust, we could be talking about this guy in a whole different light come 2021. He's only a second year guy. These are the guys that I'm trying to chase after, I'm trying to grab at the tail end of my dynasty rosters. Like when I have this extra, what, two, three, four spots, or I have a a taxi spot, that's the perfect spot to plug in a guy like Miles Boykin. You know, even if he sits on on your roster, you still might be able to use him from week to week in this upcoming season, but I'd much rather have him than like a Larry Fitzgerald. It makes no sense to me why Larry Fitzgerald is rostered in almost any league. It's not like he produced last year. Now they add in Hopkins, you got Christian Kirk, and then you have an up-and-coming Andy Isabella, not to mention two other wide receivers they drafted in the 2019 draft class. It makes no sense to me why you would roster Larry Fitzgerald. When are you ever going to feel good about starting Larry Fitzgerald? When? Trade him off. Get like a fourth or fifth round pick and then go pick up Miles Boykin. I love it. Love being some Miles Boykin. All right, on to the Steelers. And this is going to be tough. I don't like this offense right now. Uh, We don't know what's going to happen with Big Ben. But if I had to pick a Vegas bomb, it's going to be Juju Smith-Schuster. It's got to be Juju. How could it not be? The dude isn't even 24 years old yet. He is one year removed from being a second-round pick in Dynasty. One year removed. Now, he's not going to like the fifth round. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Like That's crazy to me. That's absolutely insane. Big Ben, he's absolutely a concern, right? Like, I don't feel good with Big Ben at quarterback with his old elbow issue. I wish that they would have somehow acquired a different quarterback, but that's not going to happen. If he sucks this year and Juju Smith-Schuster sucks this year, it could be a good thing. It could be a good thing. The Steelers' offense looks like it's about to implode anyways. I mean, James Conner, free agent, but, I mean, he's falling apart. Ben Roethlisberger, falling apart. They don't really have any talent at the tight end position. When you look at wide receivers, it's a bunch of like middling type guys. I don't know about Chase Claypool yet, but I mean, Deontay Johnson, which we'll talk about in a second, is kind of like a middle of the road guy. James Washington is a middle of the road guy. Like this offense, I don't know if they're going to be dynamic and they're one of the toughest divisions in the NFL as we talked about. I don't know. I just, I can't get behind anybody in this offense really when it comes to increasing their value outside of Juju Smith-Schuster, right? He played hurt last year. So I'm banking on an increased production and I'm buying him everywhere in Dynasty because he's either going to do well with, with Big Ben or he's going to suck and he's going to end up somewhere else. Hell, I just acquired him for David Johnson in one of my leagues. That's how cheap he is. I'll take it. I'll take it every time. All right, on to my four horsemen. Who is going to go down my boards? Who's going to fall down my boards? And I could have picked a, a number of different people here. However, however, I want Deontay Johnson. He's getting too rich for my blood. He's getting way too rich. I mean, back when he was like the 13th guy taken, or I'm sorry, the, 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 not the 13th guy, but the guy taken in the 13th round, I liked Deontay Johnson. I liked taking him in the 13th, 14th round. But now he's going in like, what, the, the 11th, the 10th round? Even if he's taken in the 12th, there's still so many other guys that I would like around him. I mean, Johnny Smith comes to mind, right? I'd rather have Johnny Smith than, than Deontay Johnson. I really would. I know that's tough for some people to hear, but I would. I think that there's more upside with Johnny Smith, right? 
right? Maybe, possibly. Preston Williams is another guy that I really, really like more, far more, far more. It's not even close than Deontay Johnson. Hayden Hurst, another guy. Jamison Crowder, another guy. I mean, I could sit here and go all day. Damian Harris and Tony Pollard, both. I like more than Deontay Johnson. It's not anything against Johnson. I think that he's a solid overall player. But the situation, to me, screams stay the fuck away. Just stay away. There is very limited upside that Deontay Johnson has in comparison to, to Floor. I mean, what is the best that Deontay Johnson could get you? A, a back-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three? Sure, that's solid. I, I'm not saying I don't want that on my team, but he can also give you a year like he gave you last year, which is nothing. It is in the range of outcomes. I just see guys with higher floors and higher upsides both combined that are going right around the same range that he's going in. And I, I'd rather have those guys. On to Rumplement, baby. Rumple time. Rumplement's time. Let's go. James Conner. He's the best value out there. Listen, I get that he couldn't stay healthy. I get it. But if Big Ben does come back healthy, he could still produce at a top-end level when it comes to the running back position. And running backs that are consistent are extremely hard to find. I mean, don't forget, James Conner was... Last year, he was a first-round pick. This whole entire offense, they were all ranked higher up until Big Ben got hurt. They were all ranked higher. So now, now that Big Ben's coming back, people aren't raising up their values near to where they should be. I mean, don't forget, Tomlin came in and said they are going to use a bell cow back system, and so that's what I expect them to do. It's very, very rare that I believe coach speak, but in this case scenario, I mean, they've always used a bell cow back. Always. I don't see why that would change if James Conner can stay healthy and, and Big Ben is on the field and playing at 100%. Even if the Steelers don't re-sign him in 2021, I, I could see Philadelphia Eagles picking him up and using him in the Jordan Howard role, and I think that would be a sexy, sexy fit as a one-two combo with Miles Sanders. I love James Conner, and I'm taking him where he's going right now. I think he's a great value. On to the White Dragon, baby. Yes, my sleeper. It's got to be the, I guess, successor to James Conner, Anthony McFarlane. I mean, I I can't think of who else I would actually want in this White Dragon role, and I love, I love Anthony McFarlane. He's probably the only guy that I love, love on this offense outside of Juju. I mean, he is set up to be the next bell cow back for for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and people aren't even you know, bat an eye when he passes him in the draft. I got him in like the late fourth round in one of my rookie drafts, which is absolutely crazy. Crazy. I traded him for a late third round pick and another one, and I'll take that every freaking time. I will. I'm telling you, Anthony McFarlane has tremendous, tremendous upside while his floor is still solid, especially, especially if James Conner gets hurt. And guess what? James Conner, he's injury prone. Anthony McFarlane's cheap, and I'm taking him where I can get him. Honestly, it's tough to to like anybody in this offense. So this one I kind of struggled with to an extent, just because there's so many uncertainties. So when it comes to the Steelers, I would recommend staying away from the majority of the guys. However, if they drop to a point where they become extreme values, that's where you got to hop on. That's where you got to take them. If you see some of the other, you know, let's just say rookie running backs that are going to be backups this upcoming year, like the LaMichael P. Rines, the Darrington Evans, right? Those type of rookie players. If you see him falling behind these guys, you need to take him. You need to grab him. You need to trade up and grab him, whatever it takes. Because with the injury potential that James Conner brings with him, the injury risk, you're talking about a significantly higher floor than either one of those backups actually garner. So when it comes to Anthony McFarlane, if he starts falling anywhere close to those guys, you need to go up and grab him. He's a value. You can grab him at that point. If James Conner falls all the way down to the Mark Ingram like range, like you need to grab him. If Juju Smith-Schuster starts falling down below guys like DJ Chark and, and whatnot, you got to grab him. Sure, there is risk involved, but the upside payoff is through the roof. Through the roof. 
Now, on to the Bengals, right? The last team for the AFC North. Listen, we expect this team to continue losing right now. I don't think that they're going to be competitors. I think that they have the potential to be competitors, but I don't think that they're going to be competitors. I really don't. Which means they're going to have to score. Insert John Ross as my Vegas bomb, baby. Listen, I get that he's a deep ball guy, and Joe Burrow, he doesn't have elite arm strength. I don't give a shit. I don't care. He doesn't have to be the strongest arm out on the field to deliver John Ross a solid deep ball. Because guess what? John Ross beats his guys off the line. If they're not giving him a five-yard cushion, he's beating them in 10 yards. If they are giving him a a five-yard cushion, he beats them in 15 yards. Any quarterback can throw it accurately 15 or 20 yards in most cases. But the funny part about him being, oh, just a deep ball guy. He only catches deep balls. Yeah, okay. Only 15 of his 56 targets were considered deep balls. Only 15 out of 56. They use him in multiple different ways, especially in the screen game. And he's an absolute monster with the ball in his hands. I love, love some John Ross. Now, yes, yes, there is some concerns. He does drop balls, and that's a huge concern for me. And then he does get injured, which is also a huge concern. But considering where he's going, which is pretty much the last round of most of the NFL drafts, or I should say dynasty drafts, it's a no question, it's a no-brainer. I don't even want to put him as my white dragon, right? My, my, My sleeper guy. I don't even want to put him there because I think he deserves to be that much higher. I'm talking about the 13th round higher. Like he's in the same... I guess sentence or the same, the same category for me, maybe not the same tier, but slightly below Deontay Johnson. That's how much I love John Ross. There is nobody else on the team that can do what he does. You have Tyler Boyd, you have AJ Green, you have Higgins, you have Auden Tate. These are all very similar players to an extent. Yes, they all have their strengths, but none of them are going to be considered straight line speed guys. None of them are as dynamic with the ball in their hands. He's the only one on this roster that has that ability. They don't have a blazing fast tight end. They don't have a blazing fast running back outside of Giovanni Bernard who doesn't really line up as an outside receiver. Sometimes he'll go to the slot, but he doesn't line up as an outside receiver. John Ross can be that guy. And with them losing in multiple games in this upcoming season, oh my God. Oh my God, John Ross is a fucking home run. I love it. Imagine him now with a quarterback who is a magician inside the pocket who knows how to buy time, along with a far, far improved and healthy offensive line. Oh my God. It's like Christmas getting John Ross in that that last round. It's like Christmas. Don't take the chance. Draft him a round or two ahead of time because his upside is immense. We saw what happened in the first two weeks of the season last year. He dominated, absolutely dominated. And you're going to have teams like the Eagles, like the Redskins, like the Giants, the Cowboys. These guys don't have secondaries. Outside of Darius Slay, not one of these guys has a great secondary. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, John Ross is going to be a home run. Oh, don't forget as well, we have the Jaguars on the roster. We've got the Colts on the roster, who also struggled covering deep passes last year, by the way, people. Hello! You also have the Texans, right? And the Titans, who just lost a good piece in their secondary. John Ross is going to be fire. Grab John Ross. He is my Vegas bomb. He's getting me hyped right now. Hyped! So hyped! All right, on to my four horsemen. (sighs) Tyler Boyd is not that good. God, how many people want to kill me right now? I don't care. I really don't care. I I remember seeing something where he was like one of the worst players in the NFL in terms of fantasy points per target. Right? God, wasn't he like top 10 in targets last year? I think he was pretty sure he was like seventh in targets or something. Uh, Meanwhile, I'm looking at he's finished off his 27th in fantasy points per game. That's, That's really impressive. Really impressive. God, that's brutal. Seventh in targets while being 27th in fantasy points per game. (laughs) That's bad. Listen, if it was a system, that's not going to change. I don't care if A.J. Green is coming back. He's still going to be running very similar routes to what he did last year. 
sure, you might get, you know, less, I guess, competition when it comes to the secondary that he's got to face. But come on, people. Come on. He's not that good. Now he has to compete with, for targets with A.J. Green and T. Higgins. Ugh. Ugh. John Ross could be healthy this full season. I, I just don't see it. Even if he has an increase in efficiency, the volume's going to dissipate. I mean, I don't understand. He's not, his fantasy points per game aren't going to get any better than 27th while losing a significant amount of volume, even if his efficiency increases. I just don't get it. He's going to be stuck being a wide receiver three for the rest of his career, and people are going up and drafting him like he's a high-end wide receiver two in some cases. I don't get it. I don't get it. If Tyler Boyd is the wide receiver two on your team, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. You need to go package him with something else and go upgrade your wide receiver position. Go upgrade. He's not going to be the guy. And right now, I don't think he's at a very high point value-wise, but I don't see it getting any better. I really don't. Even after A.J. Green leaves, T. Higgins should be the man. And there's a good, good chance that they add somebody else in the draft in order to compliment Joe Burrow and to keep him moving. Oh, not to mention... You know what? Wait, wait, wait. I'm going to hold that off. We got that coming up in a second. But first, we got Rumple time. Rumple Mints time. Oh, man, the best value, guys. Got to be Joe Mixon. Sorry, guys, about making a boring pick. I apologize. But you can't argue his value at the late second, or I'm sorry, late first, early second. Right? This might be the lamest pick out there, but it's true. He's got a healthier offensive line, massive amounts of volume coming his way, a better quarterback, so he won't be facing stacked boxes almost 20% of the time again. I mean, whew, I like Mixon. I really do. Although I did take Miles Sanders over him in the Scott Fishbowl. I still, I, it was one of the hardest decisions I've ever made at the two, what was it? The 202, 203 it was. At the 203, I had to take either Miles Sanders or Mixon. And I ended up going with Miles Sanders. And I honestly think I made the wrong choice. That's how much I like Mixon this year. I I made the wrong choice at the 203. I almost took him at the 110. But with the rules and everything set up, I ended up going Dak Prescott. Anyways, Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon is my rumple time. I, I think he's the win. I, I don't think you can lose with Mixon. I don't think you can lose. On to the White Dragon, baby. The White Dragon. Uzi, blocka blocka. Uzi. Uzma. Uzma. Dude, I love CJ Uzma, right? Everyone knows when your offensive line is better. Well, we'll say when your offensive line is actually beat up. When your offensive line is, is ravaged by injuries, your tight end stays in the block. That's what happens. Well, in most cases, at least. Your tight ends have to help protect your quarterback. That's what we saw in Cincy last year. We saw it. I think that with this better improved offensive line, we're going to see Uzuma go off. I'm not concerned. I'm not concerned with an average athlete, Drew Sample, coming in and taking away targets. I, I don't care. That's not going to happen. He couldn't even stay on the field last year, much less get any separation on his targets. I mean, he only had one yard of separation per target. That's not, that's not impressive. That's not impressive. If you want to see something impressive, look at Uzuma, who was top 15 in yards of separation per target. I think he was like 11th. He had like 1.6 average yards of separation per target. That's, that's awesome. He also had seven red zone receptions, which was 11th for the tight end position. He only ran 30% of the team's, he only ran routes on 34% of the team's plays. That's it. That's, that's not good. That's bad. Talk about hyper-efficiency. Oh my God. Seven red zone receptions. I love it. Love it. This guy's going to eat this year. He's going to eat. And honestly, he could actually be one of my favorite White Dragons uh, we've picked so far. Just because of the, I guess, the volatility and the hype of the tight end position. I mean, players are getting hyped their asses off at the tight end position right now. And I think people are just overlooking C.J. Uzuma as one of the potential breakouts. C.J. Uzuma? Yeah. He's my White Dragon, baby. My White Dragon for the Bengals. And that's going to wrap it up for us, guys. Hey, everything's been crazy. I'm sorry I'm getting this episode out to you a little bit late. At least I did get it out to you guys. 
It's been, a, it's been a wild ride. I am writing now for Dynasty Nerds and Dynasty Happy Hours, so go check me out on the platforms. I also got invited to do the rankings for Dynasty Nerds as well. We have some big, big things coming up. I'm actually going to be recording, and we could be going live with Shane the Destroyer. Uh, he's amazing. He's amazing. We should be going live with him on Friday. I'll record it so you guys will still get on the podcast. You don't have to come watch us live. So, yeah, that should be on our Mondays or Tuesdays podcast. Then check this out on Monday. On Monday, I get to record with Garrett Price from, from Dynasty Nerds. Like, are you kidding me? Is this Christmas right now? I have so much things, so many things in the works right now. So many things are happening. Uh, I mean, hell, I just got a follow from Liz Loza for, for God's sakes. It's fucking amazing. Right? He's one of the main analysts for Yahoo. I mean, this is, this is getting big, guys. We are growing. We are getting big. I, I've got a lot on my plate, but I don't care. I'm going to continue to do this for you guys. It's definitely one of my major goals is to make this into a massive, massive thing. And you guys are the ones that, that got me started. You guys are the ones that showed faith in me. So I really, really appreciate you guys being on this train and, and building up this, this massive entity prior to it actually happening. Like we are starting out this together and I couldn't be more excited. I couldn't be more excited. You know, I started back 10 months ago, 10 months ago. I was sitting there trying to figure out how to work GarageBand, right? Had no idea what was going on. So to come this far in such a short time, to be a part of fantasy football discussion, you guys are amazing. To, to be part of Dynasty Happy Hour and Dynasty Nerds, it's, it's, been a, it's been amazing. It really has. And I just want to let you guys know, I'm, I'm, there's no chance in hell I'm giving up on this podcast. I'm only building it. I just have a lot of other things that I'm taking care of in the process. So give me some time. Cool. I appreciate everything you guys do. Thank you for listening. And thank you for letting me intervene with your fantasy football life. I'm out. Hey, my mom dope. My niggas is dope. Switch up is dope. Pick up is dope. They feeling away. They know I'm the goat. gentlemen can i please have your attention i've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story and i need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen Cannonball! just want to leave you guys with that before i get out of here later guys